Hey, this is Kevin Weatherby at Save the Cowboy. I want you to tow that stirrup, throw a leg over the candle, take a deep seat, and pull your hat down tight. I ain't gonna tolerate no whining or griping, so let's all strike a long trot down that narrow trail and learn how to ride with God. Come on! What you waiting on? Let's go. It was one of those mornings that I just woke up, and it was just, man, it was perfect weather, and I got out there on Conejo, and we were moving cattle because this was a rotational grazing type deal. And so we're moving cattle early in the morning, and I'm long trotting out across here. And th this is the kind of the embarrassing part. I'm riding along, and I have to admit, I was singing out loud. Now, I'm not a very good singer. Um, I, I like to do it more than I'm better at it. And I was singing, I should have been a cowboy. I should have learned to rope and ride. Because that was real popular at the time, and there was nobody around. So I'm singing, you should have been a cowboy. And Conejo took offense to it. And this horse busted wide in two. Now, you have to understand, for a lot of y'all cowboys, and, and even today, it's really not that big of a deal. You might mention it to, you know, to your kids when you get home or your pards or whatever the next day or something. But, but I wasn't very good at riding bucking horses. And this was the very first time that a horse, and I'm not talking about just crow hopping, I'm talking about kicking up over his head, squalling, and I mean just just like saddle bronc at the NFR. Maybe not as hard, but I mean, this horse was giving it everything he had to buck me off. And I had been, I was batting 1,000. I had fall, fallen, fallen off. I had fallen off every horse that had ever tried to do that to me. And I finally covered. Conejo was the first time I had ever rode that horse. He took about seven or eight real big jumps. Yeah, I think that it was plumb fear that got him pulled up, and but I stayed on, and I had like this big grin for the next two weeks. But later on, I, I knew that I was going to be riding Conejo again, and he he was a young horse, and um, that was kind of part of my job is to to help ride these young horses, and I mean that's the only way you get good. And I'll never forget, I went over to the bunkhouse that morning, just like every other morning, but the but the honeymoon. Phase had had kind of wore off, you know. Now you're just like, oh, it's early, you know, because ev everybody. Uh, I know that there's a. I can sit here and see a lot of cowboys that have been there, done that, got this T-shirt. You know, you work on a ranch, and it sounds all glamorous, man. You're just like, yeah, I'm a cowboy on a ranch. It ain't like that. <laughs> you give it about two months, and you're just like, huh. Here we go again. You know, you're going to be, people say, oh, I wish I had a job where I could ride every day. No, you don't. <laughs> no, you don't. <laughs> you think you do, but you don't. And so anyway, we, we got, we got up that morning. I went and had my avocado burrito and I went and saddled up. I knew I was going to be riding Conejo that day and, and I had rode him several times before and he was still just a little bit buggery. I mean, you just never knew whenever he was going to do something. And I was still learning on how to do all this stuff. And as I rode out, you know, sometimes there's just something in the back of your mind. You know, it's it's kind of like, you know, whenever you're walking along and you think you see some movement and you turn and you look and you can't really find anything. And or <laughs> better yet, it, it's kind of like whenever you're laying in bed and you're like, you hear this. And it don't matter how tired you are, you're wide awake then. And then you start feeling it. Was that is that it? And I had one of those feelings, and I, was, I, I can't say that I was in a bad mood. I mean, it was a beautiful morning. I mean, 
I was living my dream, at least what I thought was my dream, and, and things couldn't have been better. But there was just something in the back of my mind. And if I'm absolutely truthful, whenever I look back at this time, I can realize that I had been feeling this way for months. You know, you, you just kind of, the, the honeymoon is over. You're just not as excited. It's not that you're mad. It's not that you want to quit or, or anything like that. But, you know, just in your mind, you're just like, man, you know, is this, is this really what I was meant to do? And so I rode out on Conejo that morning, and it's really funny because whoever designed that place must have been from Texas, because you had to be a good hand to ride through there, or stupid, one of the two, that's debatable, talk to Ty. But there was a telephone pole, and there was a guy wire that, that went right across the alley. So you had to get on this side of the alley, or literally you would be clotheslined, or the horse would be clotheslined. So I took Conejo on this side, and I kind of got him past that, and I got him out into that into that place and uh, got him past there. And I'm starting riding along. And you know, sometimes whenever you do this for a living, it doesn't matter if you're pushing cows or, or what. When you do something over and over and over, you just kind of get used to it. And you can be a million miles away with still doing what you want to do. And I was at that point, just kind of a million miles away from what I was doing. And I wish I would have been paying attention because my attention was jerked back really quick when I felt that front end go into a badger hole, and we were at a good lope. I will tell you what happened, hopefully at the end of the service, maybe next week. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Ju uh, July chapter 21. I'm telling you, I don't know why I want to say that. Turn to July chapter 21. But you know, when I, and, and like I said, I didn't know this at the time, but I had lost my motivation. The honeymoon was over. And whenever I look back, I realized that, you know, I had left. Um, I, I told you all the story that there was a girl that I was going to marry. Thank goodness I didn't. Nothing against her, but I probably wouldn't have the wonderful family I do now. But I, I mean, I had left everything behind. And I mean, I was all by myself. I didn't even speak the language on the ranch. And Everything should have been good, but I was kind of focused on myself and my feelings. And it wasn't a conscious decision that I said, you know what, I'm just going to think about me from now on. Because, you know, you, you can't really do that on a ranch because you're doing so much stuff. But I can look back and realize that I was kind of focused on my feelings. And, you know, I, I, there was a part of me that I just wanted to get back to an easy way of life. I mean, no offense, but, you know... You know, right, Riley's fixing to graduate in just a couple of weeks. And, you know, I, I know that school seems hard right now for y'all that are in it. But honestly, when you look back, this is about as easy as it gets. I mean, you're going to have responsibility. I mean, it's hard in its own way. But but whenever I was working out there, you know, you, you don't work Monday through Friday, nine to five on a ranch. It's it's Sunday through Sunday, you know, all day long with with some brief periods of respite in between, and I, I just kind of wanted to get back to, to an easier way of life. And I, and I found myself as I was doing these things, whether I was loading hay in, a, in, a, in an enclosed trailer in El Indio, Texas at 3 o'clock in the afternoon, and it's, it's like around 3,000 degrees Fahrenheit, you know, and, and I've got an asthma inhaler taped to my face and just hit my head up against the side just to give myself a dose every 30 seconds, you know. I just found myself thinking, you know what, I wonder what my old college roommate's doing right now. 
I still think about Zach every now and then because he's one of these big Texas country music stars and he's just, he's still not married and he's traveling the country and, you know, has thousands of people. He opens up for, you know, big names and all of this stuff. And I'm just like, man, you know, that must, that must be the life. I'm out here getting bucked off on my face. I've got horses stepping in badger holes at a good, good lope. What am I doing? I had lost my motivation. There is a fella, my, my Texas accent comes out whenever I start telling stories like this. Uh, there's a fella in the, in, in, and I don't want to catch this from my daughter because she'll make fun of me for the rest of the day. His name was Peter, because it usually comes out Peter. There's a fella named Peter in, uh, in the old, in, in the New Testament. And, and this was a, this was a fisherman. And he was, he was one of the inner circle of Jesus. There was, there was Peter, James, and John. Now, James and John were, were brothers. And, um, but Peter, man, if you need somebody to relate to in Peter, and, and you can just stick your foot in your mouth, or, or you tend to, if you can make a decision between A and B, you're gonna, you know, flip a coin and, and choose heads or tails, you get it wrong 90% of the time. This was Peter. I mean, this dude could get it wrong, but, but on the same hand, man, he did things so right sometimes. I think Peter is, is like Greek or Latin for extreme, because that's the way Peter was. Um, he spent three years learning from Jesus. He denied knowing him three times also. I mean, even though he was in Jesus' inner circle, Jesus tells him one time, I'm, I'm going to be turned over to the, to the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, and they're going to crucify me, and, and in three days I'm going to be raised from the dead. I mean, he just comes out and tells Peter what's going to happen, and Peter's like, I ain't going to let that happen. You know, I'm, I'll die before I let that happen. <laughs> and then when it happens, he denies even knowing Jesus three different times. I mean, Peter is just one of these that, that is an extreme type of cowboy. Then Jesus dies. He denies him three times. He dies. Then Jesus is rose from the dead. And in John chapter 21, we see a story about when the disciples, actually seven of them, not all of them, um, seven of the disciples see Jesus for the third time. And that story goes something like this. Peter and James and John and Nathaniel and uh, two other disciples that aren't named. Um, some people have said that the other one was, was Andrew and somebody else. But uh, anyway, they're out fishing. Jesus is dead. He's been raised from the dead. They've seen him twice, and they're out fishing. Now, I, I, I don't know of very many times in the three years when Jesus told Peter and the rest of the disciples, follow me, that, that they all just went fishing, Okay. But Jesus is not really there anymore. They haven't seen him for a little while. And, and they've just kind of gone back to what they know. They're just out fishing again. I mean, all of them are together, or seven of them are together. They're out there fishing. And, and they're, they're not having any luck. And so, anyway, the, the story continues that they're out there and they're fishing. They're not having any luck. And they're only about 100 yards off the shore. And, and they hear a guy early in the morning. They've been out there all night. They hear a guy from the store say, Hey, y'all caught anything? One of them says, No. And he says, Let your nets down on the right side. Well, automatically, John, and, and, and this is whose book we're in, is John. John's writing it. 
And I love the, the boldness of John because he always refers to himself when he's writing as the one that Jesus loved. <laughs> I mean, that's bold. The only other person that I know that does that is my wife. And, and she does. I mean, and, and I actually, I love that. She tells me all the time, did you know that God, that I am God's favorite? And she is. But, she, but she's not the only one. Jesus loved them all. But just that way of thinking. So immediately, John clicks because in Luke chapter 5, there's this same situation. Whenever Jesus is calling his disciples, they're fishing all night. They haven't seen anything. He tells them to let the net down on the right side. But John's the only one that catches on. He kind of sees this figure and he kind of hears this voice say, Hey, y'all caught anything? No, let your nets down on the right side. And automatically John says, That's Jesus. Now you have to understand, man, Peter has seen Jesus twice, but he's still feeling pretty sore inside from what he's done. He feels like he's let down his best friend. He feels like he's let down his Messiah. I mean, he said in one breath that he would, that he would die for Jesus. And in the very next breath, he denied even knowing him three times to save his own hide. So Peter is feeling about this big about right now. But in, in just in out of nowhere, there's Jesus. And John says, it's the Lord. Now, you have to picture Peter. He'd been working, and so he'd taken off it. He's like a cowboy. He'd been bailing hay, so he's taking his shirt off. He's out there fishing without his shirt on, because that's what cowboys do. And But he really had taken his outer cloak off. And whenever he heard that it was Jesus, he bails out of the boat. And he swims a 100 yards to shore. He ain't waiting on nobody. And so Peter gets to the shore. And I absolutely love this, and it's so easy just to pass over it. But you know what Jesus was doing right there on that shore? He's cooking breakfast. He's cooking breakfast for his friends. I mean, he had some fish grilling, you know? I mean, I, I, I wish that Bible would have talked about how he got those fish, you know? Come hither! And it jumps out of the sea onto the frying pan or something. That would have been cool. I don't know. But... Anyway, so he's cooking some fish for, for his friends. And so the boat gets there. And when the boat gets there, Peter walks out there to help bring the nets in because it's just full of fish. And Jesus says, yeah, there's 153 fish in there. I mean, that's... Why, why did the Bible specifically say that there was 153 fish? We'll get to that. So as they're eating breakfast and everything, Jesus knows Peter's having a hard time. John chapter 12, I nearly said it again. July chapter 21 is all about Peter and Jesus. Now, there's some other players in here, but as they're having breakfast, later on, Jesus looks at Peter and he says, Peter, do you love me? And he said, yeah, Lord, I do. I do. He said, then feed my sheep. He says, but Peter, do you love me? He said, yes, Lord, I do. He said, then feed my sheep. And then he sits there. And I imagine that he kind of grins and has these penetrating eyes. And he looks at Peter again and he says, Peter, do you love me? And Peter, he's kind of getting frustrated by now. And he's like, Lord, you know all things. So you know that I do. So why do you keep asking me that? And Jesus says, then feed my sheep. Follow me. And I think it's amazing that, that the very basically first words that Jesus said directly to Peter are some of the last words that Jesus said to his disciples. 
He continually said, follow me. Now, there was a lot in the middle, but it starts and it ends with following Jesus. See, then Peter, I mean, he's singled out by Christ himself. Do you love me? Yes, then feed my sheep. Do you love me? Yes, then feed my sheep. Do you love me? Yes, you're, you're God. You know everything, so you know that I love you. Then feed my sheep and follow me. And then Peter does it again. He messes it all up and he goes, well, Jesus tells him, one day you're going to be dressed and you're going to be taken to a place that you don't want to go. And basically what Jesus was telling him is he was foreshadowing that Peter would die for his faith. And uh, history has it, tradition has it, that Peter was crucified in Rome, but Peter asked to be crucified upside down because he was not worthy to be crucified like his Lord and Savior was. So he's sitting there and he's saying, look, Peter, this is what's going to happen to you. Okay, I'm telling you, feed my sheep. I'm telling you, follow me. And you know what? You're going to end up dying for your faith. And you know, in, instead of Peter just going, you know what, God, I'll do anything for you. Peter asked Jesus, he goes, well, what does John have to do? <laughs> you ever have one of those buddies or one of those kids that you just go, oh my goodness. Peter, he can get it so right, and then he can get it so wrong. But the point of this story that I get out of it is that Peter had lost his motivation. I mean, for three years, man, he'd been going full out. Now, that might have been full out doing good, full out making mistakes. It didn't matter. He was going full out. But then he messed up, and he messed up big. And what happened whenever Peter lost his motivation. How can we... Peter got his motivation back because Peter goes on to preach at Pentecost where 3,000 people are saved. He goes on to perform miracles. He, he goes on to, to be the head of the, of the church. And, and you know, Peter's the one that, that, that actually said the truth that the church is based on when, when he said, um, who, who do you say that I am? And Peter said, you are the Christ. You are the Messiah. And Jesus said, man, on your statement right there, the truth of that statement is what I'll build my church on. Peter gets motivated again after he messes up. Can we learn how to get back on track too? Has the fire gone out of your life? Were you once excited about your life in Christ, but now you've slowly gone back to your old way of doing things? Just like Peter did? I mean, excited, man, you, you, you kind of started coming to save the cowboy, or, or maybe it's before you came to save the cowboy, and man, you were, you were reading your Bible every day, and you were praying, and you put a big old emphasis on God, but as time went on, you know, well, I'm not going to read my Bible today, or I'm not going to, I haven't really prayed about that yet. I'm worried about it, but I haven't even taken it to God. Are you slowly losing your fire? Are you slowly losing your motivation? Have you done something or some things that you really regret and just don't feel like God would ever accept you back again like He did before? Do you feel like Peter? Does it feel like life has landed on you and smashed the crud out of you? Does it seem like everyone else is happy and having fun, but you struggle and try your best to put on a good face? I would probably say, yeah. Every week, people come up to me and they say, were you following me around this week? Because I know a lot of you have are feeling that right now. You put on a good face, you, you know, you try to tell everybody, oh, I love God, but you really don't talk to Him that much, and, you know, you, you just have troubles, you know, getting up the, the gumption to do these things like you once did. We can learn from Peter 
And we can know that we can get our motivation back. The very first thing and the last thing that we're going to talk about, we'll continue this next week, but the very first trick to getting your motivation back, to getting back on spiritual track, is to do exactly like Peter did when John said, it's the Lord. we got to focus on Jesus. we got to put our focus on Jesus. Christianity is not about how good of a life you live, but the perfect life that Christ lived for us. Because, I mean, time after time, Jesus says, I came to do for you what you cannot do. You cannot be good enough to get to heaven. So I'm going to do it for you. And through what I have done, you will receive eternal life. That's why he says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. It's through what Jesus did that we can go boldly before God's throne. It's not based upon what we can do. It's not a works-based anymore. It's not about you. It's putting your focus only on Jesus and what He has done. Peter jumps out of the boat choosing to focus solely on Jesus instead of all the problems that he's been worried about. I mean, think about it. You, you, you hear this word, and, and when Texas Hold'em, uh, they don't call it Montana Hold'em, by the way. Whenever they, you, know, you hear Texas Hold'em, that was just trivia question, just trivia. You hear the term go all in. Man, Peter, Peter, he says, you know what? I'm not going to worry about my problems anymore. I'm going to go all in. He dives head first, nearly naked into the sea and you know, swims a hundred yards just so he can get back to Jesus. Peter jumps out of the boat choosing to focus solely on Jesus instead of his problems. You know what? You know why a lot of people lose their motivation? Because they start thinking and focusing on their own problems of what we have done, what I have done. I sit there and think, you know, man, gosh, Kevin, you're a preacher and you did that? My gosh, Kevin, you're a pastor and you were thinking that? My gosh, Kevin, you're, you know, you're the, you're the head of Save the Cowboy and you, and you did that? Man, that, that's, man, but that's the devil talking. See, selfishness is not just looking out for yourself of putting number one first. Selfishness is also focusing on what we have done instead of what Jesus can do. If you want to get motivated again, you've got to jump out of the boat of your own feelings and focus on Him, not on us. Because the devil will always remind you of everything that you've done wrong. He will remind you every day of your shortcomings. He will remind you every day of your failings. He will remind you every day of the things that you fall short of. But you know what I love about this story? Peter jumps out of the boat and he swims to shore. Does Jesus condemn him when he gets out of the water? Does Jesus say, well, have you thought about what you did to me? He doesn't do that. Think about the actions of Jesus in this story. Jesus had cooked breakfast and once again provide what we need in spite of the things that we had done. In spite of what Peter had done. I mean, he didn't ask Peter to make up for it. He just said, man, here, once again, I'm going to sustain for you. I'm going to provide for you. I'm going to be there for you, not based upon what you've done, but based upon my love for you. Not necessarily your love for me, because you can't love me like I love you. And I forgive you. I paid 
My Father punished me on the cross for every mistake, including Peter's denial, including your mistake. You want to get motivated again? You've got to start focusing on what Christ did, not what you do, not where you fail, not where you come short. And the next thing, Jesus tells them that they have caught 153 fish. I told you I was going to give you my interpretation of that. There's a hundred of them. And I'm not saying that any of them are wrong. You go study that if you want to, but here's what I think in regards to that. Jesus tells them that they've caught 153 fish, showing that He knows everything about what we do, good and bad, and still loves us more than anything. He's saying, I know everything. I know how many fish are in your net. I know how many hairs are on your head. I know every thought, every action, every deed that you have done, have thought about doing, or ever will do, and here's the result of it. I absolutely love you beyond measure, and I forgive you for all of it. You want to get motivated again? You have got to get focused. Jump out of that boat of selfishness where you are looking at your Christian life based upon what you do and how good you follow Jesus or how many hours you spend in prayer or how many times you go to church or how many times you read the Bible. Forget all that. You focus on what He has done. Focus on Him and Him alone. On what He has done, not on what you have done. Get focused again, because I know there's a lot of you, man, that I used to, every time I talked to you, it was something about God. Bam, 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 bam. Man, we, what do you think about this? What do you think about that? And now when we talk, the fire, I'm not going to say it's gone out, but has it burned low? Let's stoke the winds of that fire. Get back where you know you want to be. Quit wallowing in what you have done Focus on Christ, jump out of that boat of your own selfishness, swim to shore, and God is going to have everything that you need. He's going to provide for you. He's going to show you that He loves you. And He's right there waiting on you to come back to Him.